Welcome to Dungeons & Dinners, where the love of fantasy is food for thought. I'm your host, Brett Lindley, and today I'm talking charcuterie and how sampling your adventures can still make for a full campaign meal. If you'd like to support the podcast and fund new monsters, bonus episodes, downloadable recipes, and adventure modules, head on over to patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners. Welcome! Take a seat anywhere. Be right with you. Over this last week, I got to go to a friend's house for a small get-together slash kind of dinner party, and we weren't exactly sure what we wanted to serve for dinner. Like, did we want to work together on something? Did we want to all pitch in for one big meal? Or did we want to maybe get like a a takeout delivery sort of thing? We weren't entirely sure if we were going to devote the entire night to playing games or if we just wanted to share music and stories and things with each other. And so things were kind of up in the air till almost the very last minute. Uh, From my side, we had some spare soups. It's been super rainy, uh, like for almost two weeks straight. And we decided that some soups from the freezer, we had a a small variety that we had, you know, kind of been storing up slowly over time. We probably needed to eat some of those down, but we didn't quite have enough for everyone to get full bowls of soup from what we had in the freezer. So we offered this and uh, my friend said, well, I've got a bunch of leftover meats and cheeses, and we've got some fruits and a few other things, so why don't we do a sampling dinner where we can throw together a charcuterie board, we can have small bowls of soup and salad, and then just kind of go from there, and if we pick through it very quickly or want to snack while we play a game, that's fine, or if we want to have a more long-form conversation and have some music going in the background or something and spend more time with the food, then that's fine as well. So whatever happens just happens, and we'll kind of take it from there, right? So I thought that this was a great idea, and you know, got the soups out of the freezer, got them thawing, and we headed over for the evening. Now, this friend of mine is a chef as well, and uh, more recently a caterer on the side, so congratulations. And he is really adept at picking out some really choice things, things that I generally won't necessarily go out of my way to purchase for myself, or if I do, maybe I'll just get one of them, And even then, sometimes it's kind of difficult to convince myself to spend a little bit of extra money on something that I'm not sure that I'm going to like, right? There's such a huge variety of meats and cheeses that you can find at even kind of a general grocery store, um, much less when you get into the specialty stuff, that it can be really difficult to find and and throw down on something when you're not really sure what you're going to be getting yourself into, right? Like some of the really high-end like deli meats and things can be upwards of $20 a pound. And while generally you're not going to be buying a pound of it, you're probably going to buy like a quarter pound of it. It's still something that the inner side of me that is always wants to save money and be really comfortable in my transactions has a hard time kind of struggling with. So it was really, really cool to go somewhere where 
he had already had a lot of these. Many of them had been purchased as part of other, you know, plannings that he'd done and were sort of kind of leftover bits that he needed to use up. And some of them were new uh, things that he either really, really enjoyed or always got totally devoured whenever he put them on a board. And so he wanted me to make sure that uh, all of the guests could, could experience some of that. And I found it really interesting to get to experience a more varied uh, charcuterie board. I've been to uh, a few places that serve various different types of charcuterie boards. I went to a place that specialized in uh, lavender in basically everything. So they have lavender honey and lavender cheeses and lavender wines. It's just kind of a big lavender farm that they make uh, a lot of products with, you know, some kind of lavender infusion in them. And so I got to, you know, have, a, it was a pretty small charcuterie tray, more like a little sampler that had some goat cheeses and lavender honey, which if you can find lavender honey, it's absolutely amazing. Um, and, you know, like some blueberries and a few uh, jams and things on it, but it was a fairly small sampler. And, my neighbor made this absolutely monstrous sampler. It had, I don't even know, maybe five or six different types of salted meats and um, some summer sausages and so many types of cheeses. And I was just, it was almost kind of overwhelming. And then as you, you start really looking at this board... He's done some interesting things to it, some things that I kind of wouldn't expect, but really respected. So this platter is, I mean, it's for four people, so there's pretty big piles, and charcuterie boards are fun because they can be kind of just really close to each other, and all of these pieces can kind of overlap some so that there's almost like places to put little surprises into the nooks and crannies of the bare board that were left. And he used that space to include some things that I would consider probably not on the common charcuterie board. But again, I loved, which was he had some salt or uh, sorry, some Sour Patch gummies, like not the Sour Patch Kids, but basically Sour Patch Kids um, and uh, a, a few Milano cookies. There were smoked cheeses and breeze. Uh, there were mozzarellas and like pâtés, so there it's just so much variety on this board, and of course tons and tons of crackers, and then almost a separate kind of charcuterie plate of various uh, dark chocolates, like sea salted and caramel ones, and just a, a, a such a huge variety of food that. We had that, and we had uh, our soup sampler that that we brought over, and some. I think we had two or three different salads available. So what started as we'll just kind of pick around on the plates very quickly became a smorgasbord of tasting opportunities, and I would say probably there were only like outside of the crackers, uh, chocolate. And a couple of the cheeses, I think most of the things that I tried were things that I was trying for the first time. And it's one of those things I've talked about kind of before that I can be a little bit weird trying new things sometimes. But the really small portions of charcuterie that you take, I mean, it's basically like one cracker with a pinch of a topping, right? 
can it end knowing the fact that there are items on the board that I can use as palette cleansers or things that I know I'm going to like, it makes it a lot easier to approach because you have kind of a safety net of other flavor. If, if everything goes wrong, get yourself a Sour Patch gummy. It'll probably overwhelm your taste buds for a little bit and you can kind of reset. <laughs> probably not the recommended palate cleanser, but again, it, it's just the idea of it. So what I was then able to do was have a little bit more confidence that what I was going to pick out even if I didn't like it, there is still going to be plenty there. And I also know that I'm not going home hungry, right? There's still salad and soup to go. And there are plenty of items on this board that I do enjoy and some fruits and, and veggies and things like that, and some dips. So I can find some way to get through this, but also it's all here. Why not try some of it, right? Why not experiment and see what some of these flavor profiles are and see if I find something new that I love, which I did, um, and will be getting <laughs> several of the items on that tray. I might actually go ahead and throw down my wallet for to have some around the house because holy moly, it was amazing. I apologize. I don't have the names of anything right now. I'm going to need to text him and figure out <laughs> what some of these were because they were phenomenal. So if I get those, maybe I'll throw them into the show notes or out on Twitter at some point and give you all some pictures to go along with it because highly recommended. But that's beside the point. What I mean to say is that for one, I got to try some of these flavors for the first time, right? And then in addition to that, I got to try flavor combinations that I hadn't really expected to try before, right? There's, with such a wide variety of things, you can go through and try a specific type of cheese with a specific type of chocolate, right? Like, and at first, you, if you think that that sounds gross, a really dark chocolate and a really sweet, creamy cheese basically can just make milk chocolate in your mouth. Um, so it's, it's really interesting to have the opportunity to try some flavors and some combinations that you may not normally try them in, right? And some of them work better than others, but for the most part, getting to take uh, one piece and you find out that you enjoy it and then see how that enjoyment changes when you try it with two or three different other flavors mixed in with it. You know, is it different when you have a wheat cracker versus maybe a rye or a white cracker, right? Uh, is it different with the smoked cheese or a creamier cheese? And how, you know, how do you want to experience the food? And after you've sampled it a few different ways, do you narrow down what you enjoy most about the flavor so that then... I could, you know, like, so I really enjoyed it with these certain items. I didn't like it as much with those. But now that I have a much better idea of the flavor profile, now if I want to really kick things up, what would I do, right? How do I, now that I get this flavor, how can I combine it to maximize it now that I've sampled it in a few various ways? And while we were going through this evening and sampling all of these different things, I was kind of brought back and reminded to, honestly, first, kind of character creation, right? I see a lot of people that tend to kind of run themselves into a niche where they want to play one type of character, 
I myself have at least one character that I really want to play eventually. eventually. And there are plenty of people that have a huge variety of characters. I also have a ton of other characters that I would love to try to play at some point, but they're kind of suboptimal builds, or maybe they may not be very fun, and I'm not entirely sure. It would really depend on the party of players that I'm in, and I may not be as attached to them for a full campaign. I wouldn't mind a place where I could go sample things, right? Take a, a, a character creation is almost charcuterie in itself, where you get to take a race and a class and a skill set or a background and combine them all together, or maybe a cross class even, and see if that flavor is appealing to you. And I think that in the same way that you have, you know, a cracker, a meat, a cheese, and maybe a jam or spread, you might have to experiment with these flavor profiles, especially if you haven't played with any of them at all, or if you've only played with half of them and you're unsure if they're going to work with the other half, it can be really difficult to know if a character is going to work out and feel comfortable for you, at least for me, if I don't have a way of sampling things first. And here is where one-shots can really play an awesome role. And one-shots I've talked about before using them in your campaign to bolster uh, certain adventures by just changing around the names of NPCs or maybe some of the locations to better fit your plot. But I think that it's also really important that you sometimes maybe even before playing a full campaign, like if you're going to sit down with a group of people or if there's new people, Maybe ask if you can run a one-shot or two or have a one-shot or two run for you before deciding if the campaign is going to work out. And DMs that may be posting things on Reddit, I think that that's a great way to introduce people to your style of rules and to check the, the party and see if everybody is going to get along. And, and focus on really short one-shots, right? Like, not multiple uh, day one-shots, but really closer to, like, one-page dungeons where you don't need a whole lot of story or, or you know, any lead-up to getting into things. Dive straight into the... Or close to the climax of the story, like the exposition can all be given to the characters, almost kind of railroady, because... It's the first five minutes of setup, and you can tell them what all they've already done to set the stage, right? And that way you can cut out uh, some portions of an adventure, especially if you're wanting to get through the, the bulk of it in one to two hours, right? But I think that doing that and possibly running multiple of those is a really great way to get to experience and experiment with several different character types and classes and combinations at various levels, and also to experiment and experience several different types of gameplay. There's a number of one-shots that are available that are more heavily political, and I think a lot of one-shots on one-page dungeons, of course Dungeness especially, are going to be more combat-focused, but if you look around and you dig a little bit or ask any number of groups online, you're always going to have somebody that has the kind of perfect solution or something that you could at least tailor make into a one-shot for you. 
So I really recommend running one shots as a way to allow people to sample and to give players and DMs room to experiment with the types of gameplay that they may not necessarily think is their bread and butter or have uh, a way to incorporate. Maybe they don't want to ruin an established campaign by trying something that's a little too experimental for them or be stuck with a character for a year and a half that they don't like. Um, of course, there's other we've talked about in the past. There's other ways to go about that and, and communicating with your DM and seeing if you can roll up a new character, etc. But I think overall, one shots, great experience for tasting a few different varieties, especially if you're going to set up a campaign with a bunch of new players. It could be a way to see if everybody meshes properly. For a either new campaign or maybe even a early campaign or somewhat established place, another place where I was thinking about the leveraging charcuterie would be in the tavern. So I've done this, and I know several other people that I've played with have done this. Uh, I've seen it on a few streams, and sometimes it works or is necessary. But how often have you seen or set up the tavern or the adventurer's guild or the adventure board that either only has a single posting or only one posting that is really enticing to the characters and all of the others uh, only offer a few gold for killing some rats in a basement and the players are all level six they're not really going to care about that meanwhile the posting offering three thousand or five thousand gold for rescuing some lost noble person is you know it's going to be the one that they pick right and I think that in the same way that I just said you could leverage one-shots and one-page dungeons for uh, trying out a bunch of various character ideas in as one-shots, I think that it can be a really good tool to determine what exactly it is that the party does want to do, especially for earlier on in a campaign if you don't have an established plot or you're waiting on setting up some hooks or just kind of wanting to see what the players are going to react to, having a charcuterie adventure board with a number of different options that the players could try to mix and or match, maybe put various different timelines on them so that they have an understanding of how big the adventure is going to be and kind of due dates that they need to return them by. So if they pick two or three adventures to try to get done at once, then they're going to have to really manage their time and make sure that they do them in the right order or whatever. And I think that this is a really interesting way to sort of determine if the things that the players said they want to do are what the players actually want to do. I know I myself have been in this position plenty of times where I think I want to do something and I have my mind set on it and I'm not really open to the possibility that there could be other things going on or really understand what the rest of the party wants to do or how they want to adventure. So a smattering of exploratory, more combat-centric and political adventures on an adventure board that all have pretty comparable rewards of various types can help you understand what the players are motivated by. Are they more motivated by the magic item, even if they don't want to go on the political adventure, but they really want the reward? Then that can kind of key you into something. If they want the you know more combat-focused adventure because they just came off of a, a long political or exploratory chunk, then that gives 
takes some of the pressure off of you and puts it in the party's hands. Plus, the party is going to have to decide things. Whenever you're giving players choice, then all of the players need to agree. And this could be a good opportunity to see are there players that are coming out as kind of a leader? Are there certain players that are, you know, helping other characters around? What types of ideas are they coming up with? What is the rationalization for picking which adventures and how they do them? And this can be a really good way. Not every adventure board needs to be crammed full of 20 adventures that you're ready to run. But I think offering players more than one or two, uh, and somewhere between three and six that are smaller adventures on the board, can be a really interesting way of giving your players something to sample, possibly something to come back to, and can offer an opportunity to make a lot of different situations happen, where maybe there's another group of adventures checking the board out, and now they want to argue over which adventure, you know, or who gets to take the quest or who can complete it faster or something like that. There's plenty of ways that this situation can unfold in a bunch of different ways. And I just thought it was a fun idea. And finally, there's the charcuterie of the long form campaign. I think this is probably the one that I have talked the most about, but I think it's still good to bring up here is sampling the different pillars of adventure and ensuring that you have a good variety and don't just stick with the one meat and cheese combination that everybody has always kind of said that they've enjoyed and is comfortable to you, that you can use some of these smaller, shorter adventure hooks and plots to try out a few different flavors and maybe use a piece of flavoring that everybody is already comfortable with, especially if there's an established plot that you don't want to deviate too far from. You can always throw in uh, monsters or henchmen of the big bad to keep things grounded in the plot while also trying out new monsters or tactics or adventure hooks or puzzles and give players the opportunity to try out something new or have the option to try something where maybe the puzzle does not block the door of the dungeon, but simply offers a reward for solving it, where the puzzle is completely optional, but is something that is there instead of the room does not need to fill up with acid so that they solve it in time. It can simply be a puzzle that offers a bonus reward, right? Like bonus content is great and totally optional to throw in. Maybe it hides a bar of platinum or a rare gem that you can unlock from the cistern before it, you know, crumbles when you solve the puzzle, right? So I think that Offering some of these additional ways to sample content that is not mandatory. And the final kind of idea that I have in all of this is that really presentation is kind of key. In charcuterie, it's it's a fine line between being an absolute mess and being a beautiful sampler, right? Like if you just put everything in a bowl and start with a stick and dump it out, it's not going to really look great, right? But if you take the time to place things together that may be good together, right? And take the time to fill in gaps and make sure that there's a good variety of different tastes and textures on the board, then it's going to be 
very visually appealing, and that's also going to help get over the kind of anxiety that somebody might have in trying something new because they've already approached it as something that's beautiful. And in the same way, if you can describe uh, scenarios with uh, more than just what's visually there, incorporating tastes and sounds into your descriptions, um, smells is something that is really good to throw in there. And don't forget, it doesn't have to be a sewer that smells bad. You can have a field that smells good, right? Use the lavender field from <laughs> we were talking about earlier. The adventurers are going through. It's a wilderness kind of adventure. Maybe it's a boring walk. Throw in some time to make a magical lavender field where the smell is just intoxicating and try to see if you might be able to take a boring, uh, you know, walk through the woods into a possibly more exploratory piece where what's the source of this strange magic that makes the lavender so good here? And is it intense or is it just kind of mundane? So there's a lot of ways that you can add description to your uh, charcuterie adventure to try to help, you know, ease players into maybe experimenting with something new. Hopefully my recent adventure into charcuterie has provided some insights that the rest of you may be able to take and use in your own worlds. Charcuterie is a great way of using up uh, a few different things that are in the freezer and feeding a number of people over a, a longer length of time where everybody is allowed to just experiment and share ideas. It was great to hear what other people said like, no, don't mix these two. It's not really worth it. Or, oh my goodness, these two items are the best together. Everybody has to try it and everybody digs in to see what's going to, to happen when we you know mix these two different meats and cheeses together. So it's really fun. I highly recommend it as a way to, uh, to enjoy an evening with friends. And also, it's probably going to go without saying, but charcuterie is going to make a good snack if you don't have a battle map that needs to take up the center of a table, right? So everybody can choose what they want from the board. And more high level thinking about how allowing that much player choice affects campaigns and character creation I think is something that we can all bring to the table and see how our players react to new flavors. So that's all for the episode today. Please let me know your thoughts, comments, or episode ideas. I'm most active on Twitter, but do check my other socials that are available on the card website in the show notes relatively often. If you're interested in the supporting the show and helping fund more bonus content at some time in the future, consider tossing some coins over to patreon.com slash dungeonsanddinners. If you're looking for another great podcast to listen to, my other broadcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, is co-hosted by myself and longtime friend Walker Near, and is a long-form podcast about why gaming matters, and other various ideas, news, and reviews in the video game industry. I'm really excited to be sharing this journey with you, and remember that love is this secret ingredient. Have a good day, friend. Thanks for stopping by.